Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. You're listening to the best of Sports Business Radio as I'm away in China gathering information to bring you as we preview the 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing. But we've got some great content coming up for you this week. In segment two, Portland Trailblazers and Seattle Seahawks owner Paul Allen. This is from an interview I did with the reclusive Mr. Allen in June. Great conversation. Obviously, he is the co-founder of Microsoft with Bill Gates, very passionate about his NBA and NFL team. You won't want to miss that conversation with Paul Allen in segment two. In segment three, San Diego Chargers Executive Vice President and General Manager A.J. Smith. This is from an interview I did in August. And if you want to listen to a guy who's got a vision, who knows what he wants, who knows how to run his team, do not miss this interview with A.J. Smith. This guy has guts. He fired Marty Schottenheimer, who had won 14 games, brought in North Turner. He knows exactly where he's going and what he wants, and uh, it was a great interview. So look for that in segment three. In segment four, the head honcho of the NBA, NBA commissioner, David Stern. This is from my conversation with him in April before all the Tim Donaghy allegations came about. But we have some interesting talk about China, and you'll even hear the commissioner talk about global warming. Listen to that interview in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit our new and improved website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Listen to SBR on demand anytime you want. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. So enjoy the best of Sports Business Radio. I'll talk to you next week. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Paul Allen. He's the chairman of the NBA's Portland Trailblazers and the NFL's Seattle Seahawks. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. A lot of versions of the story of how you bought the Trailblazers back in 1988 from Larry Weinberg. I've never heard the true story. Can you take us back to 1988? I'm sure it was an exciting time and how you came to acquire the Blazers. Uh, well, I was on the, the board of a software distribution company and uh, 
it was uh, around the time that the uh, the Sonics won the NBA championship, and so I became a fan of the the Sonics. And um, I think I was probably talking about how much I loved NBA basketball to to another board member, and he said, "Well, I, I think that the uh, the current owner of the Trailblazers might be interested in selling." Um, so we got in touch, and it was a long that was a long negotiation. I think it was over. Uh, at least over a six-month period, uh, and even involved in looking at an, an X-ray of uh, Sam Bowie's uh, leg, which had a bunch of screws in it, because uh, we had to decide whether we were going to keep uh, Sam as a member of, or if the previous ownership was going to was going to resolve his uh, contract issues and, and let him go. So that was a that was a long process, but I was so incredibly uh, excited to be an NBA owner. And then, fortuitously, through uh, through our draft back to, uh, back then, we got Buck Williams added to our nucleus of, of Clyde Drexler and Terry Potter, Jerome Kersey, Kevin Duckworth. Anyway, it all we ended up, uh, you know, Buck became the power forward of that team, and then we were off to the races and ended up being the finals twice. So that was that was an exciting time for me. A lot of success, a lot of excitement, and then in 1997, you became one of the the rare people out there that owned two professional sports teams. Uh, you bought the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, really, a lot of people think you saved football in Seattle. Talk about owning two sports teams. Well, uh, you know, it's it's. The leagues, um, the way the leagues function and the, the games are obviously are, are there similarities and different differences. Um, I think what's being an owner of a franchise in any city is if uh, you have some success and the whole city gets behind the team and 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 you and you end up going to the the championship. And I've been fortunate to have that happen twice here in in Portland and once in Seattle. And what an unbelievable uh feeling that is um you know both for the the players and, and for all the fans and for the city itself so uh that's been really rewarding for me it, it's true that you know i was asked by some political uh people and and uh and and people in the community up in seattle to, to look at owning the at the seahawks we went through a process we were able to have a, a referendum to get a new stadium built uh that all worked out and uh it's 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 really been exciting to be involved with two franchises do you have any desire to be involved with another franchise, uh, maybe soccer in Europe or anything along those lines? Well, I mean, if you, if you combine the number of, of NBA games and, and, and football games, you're, you're approaching, you're approaching uh, you know, you're, with playoff games in there, you're approaching 100 games a year. That's plenty for me. And there's been some kind of unusual uh, rumors out there. I've, I've looked at soccer teams, but I, but, uh, I haven't. I haven't looked at a single uh, soccer team, so there's no truth to those rumors. You know, you've really done an amazing job of assembling uh, an impressive staff, not only in Seattle with Tim Ruskell and Mike Holmgren, but here in Portland with Kevin Pritchard and Nate McMillan. Talk about your interaction with those staffs, if you would. Well, I think, uh, you know, you have to be very careful um, when you pick uh, your people that do talent evaluation and run uh, the sports side of your franchise. And uh, I think in Kevin and Tim Ruskell, um, you know, some some people have a have a great talent in evaluating players and seeing how talented they are, but they, all, they also try to instill a certain culture. Or they have an approach that they uh, and a goal in terms of the way the franchise uh, works, the, the, the character of the players, and all that. Both Tim and Kevin have that have that characteristic. So you got to be very careful as a, as a franchise owner to to bring in people like that. And then in terms of um, the management of the teams, uh, the financial management, Todd Lywicki, and and we're making an announcement here today. I think we've we're, we've got some really great caliber people managing the business side uh, that you know that that way and and delivering a great experience for the fans. So 
Um, so all of those things are key ingredients to get your franchise firing on all cylinders. And, and fortunately, I think we're, we're, uh, we've been in great shape in Seattle for the last few years. And, and now we're, I hope we're reaching the culmination of doing that in Portland. Yeah, what a difference a year makes. Uh, a year ago, we talked about broken economic models. Today, you've got the Rose Garden back. Super excited here in Portland. Talk about the range of emotions that you've had in the last 12 months. I imagine it's pretty wide. Exactly. No, I mean, a year ago, I um, I told um, some of the media here that, uh, you know, they, they shouldn't draw any conclusion from the fact that I was here for the draft, uh, that I might not end up owning the, the franchise, uh, that I might end up uh, selling it. But we had a great draft. Uh, we were able to do some uh, uh, things to, to eventually get the Rose Garden back. So our, we're a much firmer financial footing. Uh, hopefully the Rose Garden will, will fill back up here with, you know, with our having the amazing uh, luck to get the first pick in the draft and, and a draft that has a couple of, of at least a couple of very, very unusually talented players in it. So we're evaluating both of those this week. So it's been a, it's been an amazing turnaround uh, from the time before the draft a year ago. So basically, to, you know, the draft was a, was a kind of a harbinger that we had a year ago was a, was a harbinger of things to come. I just want to ask you a few more questions. Um, you are involved in a variety of different projects. I think they're amazing. I think you're one of the most diverse people on this planet. Um, anything from the, the Brain Institute to your space programs, what a legacy you're leaving. What's the criteria you look for to fund a project and become so passionate about a project you're involved with? Well, I think you look for something that, you know, that can affect, uh, I mean, if you're looking at things in, in science or uh, research or, you know, products like, like we did at, at at Microsoft and some of the, the web-related things we're doing now. You look for something that's going to have a positive effect uh, on the world and people are going to want to use, and, and there's, a, there's an economic model there that works. Um, so, uh, so I've been fortunate to be able, and then of course I do some philanthropic things too, so I've been fortunate to be able to um, have a bunch of opportunities to do many different things, and that's, what I, that's really what I like. I like a, a probably a more diverse set of, of different enterprises than and most people do, but I think it's uh, incredibly fun. And obviously, sports franchises—you you know, like any sports franchise—goes through up years and and down years. And and uh, when you're in a down year, you got to tough it out. But when you're on the upswing and things are going um, in a positive direction and you're having success, you got to savor those too. So I I feel like I've been fortunate to have been involved with two franchises that that have had uh, a history of success. Last question, uh, like we just discussed, you're going to leave an amazing legacy on this planet. You fought Hodgkin's disease. You probably have a, a better appreciation for life than, than maybe some of us. When it's all said and done, what's the legacy that, that Paul Allen wants to leave? Well, I, you know, I, again, I think, you know, you, you, know, you, just, you just try to um, create things or look for opportunities to do things um, for the world at large that, that are going to make the world a better place. And I, and I certainly think... Uh, the things I've done, you know, in technology, some of my philanthropic things, um, that's been true. And I, I hope, as as a as an owner of a sports franchise, um, you you want to do something that that the, the community you know, have a franchise that the community can feel extremely proud of. You can have a, a winning tradition, um, and and it just. It, but personally, of course, it's just so exciting to be involved with a team that's. That's that's doing well, and, and as as I said before, is on the upswing. So it's it's a mix of those a mix of those things, and uh, I, I just feel very fortunate to uh, to be in the to have been in the position to. 
to have such a wide range of interest. Coming up next, A.J. Smith. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the San Diego Chargers. He's the reigning NFL GM of the year. Don't miss that interview. Coming up next on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is A.J. Smith. He's the executive vice president and general manager for the San Diego Chargers. He was named the NFL's top GM for 2006 by Forbes magazine. He's overseen a renaissance in San Diego as the Chargers have won the AFC West two of the last three years, and they won a franchise record 14 games last season. A.J., thanks for joining me. Brian, good to be with you. So since you took the reins of the Chargers back in 2003, you've established yourself as one of the best talent evaluators in all of the NFL. During your tenure, you selected at least one player per year via the NFL draft who turned into a Pro Bowl player. We've seen teams like the Oakland A's, Boston Red Sox, Portland Trailblazers develop proprietary formulas that help them identify the best players for their systems. When you're building an NFL roster, what are the general tools or formulas that you try and utilize? Well, Brian, first of all, we do believe that it's all about the players. The the players are the most important part of the operation because they're the ones that make it happen. And and you have to go out there and get them. And what I've been saying is by any means, and by any means is what within your industry can you do that? Well, there's the college draft, what everyone's familiar with. And you have unrestricted free agency. You have the Arena League. You have CFL, uh, supplemental draft, which is not explored very, very much trades take place but whatever vehicle that you want to explore to get football players you get them in here i think we have an outstanding staff of people that can evaluate players here and so we identify the players and then we try to bring them in as quickly as we can brian on top of that if you're successful and you like the players that you do have uh... my philosophy is not so much to go out into the open market and get four or five or six guys from other teams but let's go from within our own organization with players and identify them early and try to do some contracts so we can keep the window of opportunity more open than just three or four years or the length of their contract. We've been very successful with that. We've got like 30 contracts where guys are pushed way out in 09, beyond that to 11, 12. So we're very, very excited about it. And uh, as we know, we, we are very proud of how far we've come, Brian. We, you know, wasn't very long ago, years back, that we were the worst team in the National Football League. And now we take great pride in having people recognize that we have talent. But we really haven't 
done anything yet in postseason. So that's our next goal. You know, AJ, you bring up a great point. You talk about continuity. So many times I hear general managers or architects of teams talk about windows of opportunity, championship windows of opportunity. What you've done essentially is given yourself at least the next three years by locking these players up to capitalize on that window of opportunity. Talk about continuity a minute, if you would. Well, Brian, that's very, very true. And all of that is only good if the players that you've gathered are the right players. And we believe you know, that they are here. But you're given a window of opportunity, and anything can go wrong. Injury can take place. You know, uh, fumbles and missed field goals and all of these things. Uh, maybe a contract isn't agreed upon with a really fine player that you like, and you cannot come to an agreement with an agent and the player. So a year or two goes by, and they go to the market, and they leave you. Uh, so when you have a team in place and it's locked up in place, then that's what we call a window of opportunity. We must figure out something to be able to get in postseason play. And you know, Brian, you have to work hard to even get there to begin with. Right. But, but when you are there is what you want to do. That means the opportunity is there for you to win a world championship. Now, what can we do when we get there to make this thing happen? And it's, you know, it's really, really hard and that's what the focus is on our football team. We've made some changes. We think they're positive ones and good ones to help us uh, in the future. AJ, I'm not just saying this because I'm sitting here talking to you. I've said this many times on our show. You would definitely get my vote for Executive of the Year in the NFL. And one of the reasons I say that is because you're not afraid to make bold decisions. For example, you drafted Eli Manning. Then you traded his rights for Philip Rivers, Sean Merriman, and other players. You let Drew Brees become a free agent. You took Philip Rivers. He had a great year last year. Antonio Gates, he was in a holdout, but you ultimately got him signed. And you did fire Marty Schottenheimer, even though he won 14 games last year. Again, one of the things I admire about you, AJ, is it seems like so many executives in sports these days are more worried about saving their own jobs, and they're afraid to make bold moves. You make bold moves, and I like that. Talk about that for a minute. Well, Brian, I appreciate that, but but I do really agree with what you're saying. Uh, I believe that you do the very best that you can. Uh, We all have a plan in this league. There are 32 teams, and everyone has a plan, but only two teams go to the Super Bowl and one's going to win it, and the rest of us try to figure it out. But, but a key thing that I try to remind myself of daily is you cannot be afraid to fail. You, you must be aggressive, not recklessly aggressive, but be very, very aggressive and believe in, in what you, your plan is. And I think we do that around here. It's all about trying to win a championship and just go for it. If it's right out in front of you, you know, passive and cautious and, and try not to lose, I think you're going to fail. Uh, go out there and be aggressive and get after this thing. If you're going to go for it, go for it your way. So if you wake up in the morning and things don't work out, I'd rather look in the mirror and say, you know what, we've tried everything we possibly could to try to win a championship. I love that attitude. Hey, tell me about your close friend and longtime associate, former Chargers GM John Butler. He died of cancer in 2003. I know he was an integral part of your life and your career. What lessons did you learn from him? Well, John and I were really, really close, and and, and really I kind of worked more with him than for him, and I think that was part of our special relationship. We were just a couple of young scouts back in the early 80s. And and one thing with with John that, that I always remember is work ethic. Uh, was tremendous. And sometimes when I'm dragging my tail a little bit or don't want to get on a plane or go see somebody or fly cross country, I always think about what John was just 
endless and tireless in everything that he would do. Uh, and I think about him a lot in 20, 22 years of close friendship. Uh, uh, he knew players. Uh, we had a plan together. We came here from the Buffalo Bills. We're going to build this thing brick by brick. Uh, he's not around right now, but, but, but hopefully uh, I can carry on a lot of his thought process, too. Yeah, you guys really turn things around there. My guest is A.J. Smith, the executive vice president and general manager of the San Diego Chargers. North Turner, he's your new head coach. Brilliant offensive mind. Obviously, your team has several offensive weapons, including league MVP LaDainian Tomlinson. What qualities does North Turner possess that made him your choice as the head coach of the San Diego Chargers? Well, I think he's an outstanding football mind. There's no question about that. I've studied him before, and when I was with the Buffalo Bills, director of pro scouting. I'm familiar with his work in Dallas. As we know, that we went up against their football teams twice in the Super Bowl, lost them both. Jimmy Johnson was the head coach, obviously a great decision maker, and uh, I think a gambler to some uh, point, and I respected that going after a championship. But he had full faith in North Turner to run that offense, and it was unbelievable how he identified the talent and got the ball into their hands. I know that he was not successful in Washington and Oakland. People have pointed that out to me many, many times, Brian. But my answer to that was I'm very familiar with where he's been, uh, but he's not worked for the San Diego Chargers, and he has not worked with me on a day-to-day basis. And and I'm really looking forward to, to rolling up our sleeves and getting after this thing together. Uh, postseason, very important if we're fortunate enough to go there, and I hope we do in years to come. It always comes down to decision-making four or five times a game, critical decisions, game management that push you over the top. I have all the faith in the world that he is going to be capable of doing that and also recognizing players. He's an outstanding evaluator of talent. He recognizes players and how to put the ball consistently into your playmaker's hands. Never lose sight of that no matter how things are going, if they're going poorly. So I'm excited about it, obviously, and uh, we're going to get after this thing together and try to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a very high compliment to pay, but when I look at the Chargers' offense now, it reminds me a lot of the Cowboys' offense that North Turner ran for those successful years uh, there in Dallas in the 90s. Uh, do you see some similarities as well? Yes, I do see some similarities. There were some great football players that they got there over time, and it was put he was put in charge of that and recognized talent. But also, North Turner was here in 2001. I had a chance to work with him daily, uh, talked football all the time. I was assistant general manager at that time, obviously a different capacity. He was not a head coach. He was offensive coordinator. We do have a working relationship. This offense for the Chargers was installed by him. So continuity was very, very important to me, as well as trying to find somebody that I could trust to roll up my sleeves and get after this thing. And I'm very comfortable with him, and I look forward to the challenge for both of us. My guest is A.J. Smith. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the San Diego Chargers. A.J., one of my favorite athletes right now is LaDainian Tomlinson, and we all know what he can do on the field, but I'm more impressed with what he does off the field. Talk about LaDainian Tomlinson, the person, for a moment, if you would. Well, Brian, he's absolutely a great, great person. Uh, What he does in the community and what he's a great team member also. Uh, He just goes about his business each and every day, a really true professional. Obviously, we know he's a great player, and and we thought that also. But to be honest with you, we we didn't know he was going to be a Hall of Famer while he was playing. And he literally is a Hall of Famer right now playing for the San Diego Chargers. 
but he's just always upbeat uh, when things have not been going well just a few years ago. He was always out front leading, uh, and we know what a great player he is, but he's such well-rounded, has tremendous respect. Uh, and, and as you know now, Brian, it's starting to go around the country with his respect. It first started with us, and then after he starts playing all these years and the kind of man that he is, it's it's a pleasure to be around him. Yeah, it's well-deserved. I mean, anytime you're kind of hidden there in Southern California, you're not on the East Coast. Sometimes the East Coast media doesn't pick it up, but it's definitely nice to see him getting his due. Tell me about Alex Spanos. He seems like he's just one of the most dedicated owners in sports. I know how badly he wants to win a Super Bowl. Tell me about Alex, if you would. Well, it's Alex and his son, Dean Spanos, both together. Uh, no question they're committed to winning here in San Diego. And uh, Alex just uh, last year handed full control over to Dean. Uh, Alex is kind of retired right now. He does come to the games and, and sits next to me and, and, and has opinions, believe me, very strongly. <laughs> uh, but he stepped back a little bit, and Dean is the one now running the day-to-day operation. And they don't get enough credit. When you, when you think about the commitment that he has here and the amount of contracts that we've done in the last few years, early contracts for some of our players, to keep this window of opportunity open. I think we're 30 uh, or 29 to 30 contracts. That's a lot of money to put into players. So obviously he believes in the plan here. Obviously he is dedicated to the San Diego Chargers winning. You know, I want to ask you a few questions about the NFL before I let you go. Um, Boy, signing bonuses have just gotten enormous in the last year or so. Is that a concern at all? I know one of the things that makes the NFL so great is that there's not the guaranteed contract. You've got the signing bonus that is guaranteed. Are we moving away from, uh, I don't know, it just seems alarming, like an alarming trend to me. Well, Brian, it is alarming in a way that all of the money and guaranteed money is going to the young kids right out of college that have never played in the National Football League. Uh, It's been discussed over the years if some of the money could be less and maybe more given to proven veterans. Uh, We haven't made very much headway on that. Uh, It is the way it is. It is the business, and it's equal for all 32 teams, so we deal with it. You know, I'm the the guy that believes in just show me the rules. You know, I may not like them. I might make a call. I might write a letter trying to change the rules or participate in that. But rules are rules, and if it's the same for everyone, then then that's all I really care about, and we'll follow them as Chargers. Yeah, you know, I think one of the best things about the NFL is parity. I mean, in the 70s, we saw the Steelers. In the 80s, we saw the Niners. In the 90s, we saw the Cowboys. We've obviously seen the Patriots. Do you think the day and age of a dominant team uh, just kind of winning two or three Super Bowls uh, is done? Boy, I, I don't know. I thought it's, it's really hard to begin with, but that's why I admire the New England Patriots so much, right. even though it's so difficult. Yet they've won three world championships, and last year, Brian, as you know, they're in the AFC championship again, ahead 21-3. to Of course, they lose to the Colts. They're almost going back to another Super Bowl. Uh, but, but what's important, I think, is to try to be a playoff-caliber team, each and every year. That is a goal that we have here for our football team, uh, to just keep banging away and banging away, such as the Colts. I mentioned the Colts because they were always in postseason play, a very, very good football team, but they couldn't get over the hump. People said their defense wasn't very good. Uh, Peyton Manning wasn't very good. He really wasn't a winner at Tennessee. They can't get by New England. Tom Brady's better. You know, all those things are said, but they were always there each and every year, and last year was a magical year for them. 
Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, case in point, a couple of years ago won a world championship, Brian, but for years, always in the playoffs. Matter of fact, I think five AFC championship games, losing them away, losing them at home, can't get over the hump. They won a world championship. My point is they were always there in postseason play, always banging around with a good football team. Our goal here in San Diego was to establish a playoff team and be banging around and banging around, and maybe something special can happen. We haven't got out of the gate. We've had our opportunities, Brian, as you know, in the last three years. Uh, We've been in two at home, lost them both, just can't get out of the gate. We have to figure out what can we do here to get over the hump, and uh, we're trying to figure that out, and we're going to have a new coach and a new direction with a new staff and new ideas, add more players, and hopefully win enough games to get in the tournament so we can get after this thing at the end of 07. That's our dream, anyway. Well, AJ, I really appreciate you making the time for me this week. Uh, guests appearing during our Sports Sense segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses. Morton's the steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Morton's nearest you, go online to mortons.com. Again, AJ, big fan of yours. I'm rooting for the Chargers this year, and I uh, hope you guys get it done. Thanks for joining me. Well, thanks, Brian. I'm sure we'll talk again. Yes, we will. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. Commissioner Stern, thanks for making time as always. Always a pleasure. You're in your 23rd year as the NBA Commissioner. You seem as energized today as you were a decade ago. What's the secret to maintaining a fresh perspective and always striving to improve? Actually, the NBA provides that fresh perspective in terms of its evolution. We're, we're uh, past the stage where our teams were rebuilding all of their buildings, where we were trying to stabilize and grow the sport, where we were worried about domestic TV, moving to cable, moving to satellite. And now we're busy with digital globalization, the WNBA, the NBA Development League. So it seems to get new every day, yeah, maybe every hour. 
You've certainly seen so much change during your tenure. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation you had earlier this year. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? Well, what I learned is that it probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense, uh, that even if you're ultimately right or even if you're not right, I guess, uh, it pays to involve people and make them feel a part of the process because their very exclusion can cause them to take a negative view. Uh, and it's understandable. Commissioner Stern, is the NBA season too long? There's a lot of talk about you know, 82 games. It's been like that for a long time. But there's been talk about maybe shortening it to 60 games with playoffs. Has there ever been discussion in your office about that? Uh, you know, the economic realities, the business realities of such. I've, I, uh, you know, nobody who suggested has ever coupled with the suggestion that they would take uh, a 20% cut in pay. You're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm watching, I'm looking, I'm listening very carefully uh, for that. Uh, you know, we have 29 buildings. They have enormous gates, receipts, and club suites, club seats and suites. Uh, we have television arrangements and the like. And at this point, it would be more than a little bit difficult to start cutting back on those sort of events that are revenue-producing. Do you ever feel there's an oversaturation of the market? You're on so many places on TV and on the Internet. and Do you ever feel like there's oversaturation? You know, not as we move to this uh, new era. It used to be that you could collect viewers at a particular place and have event scheduling and programming and the like. Now our fans increasingly want to see it. You know, they want to go online and be able to get it right away. They right. want to turn it on and get it right away. So we made the judgment some years ago that appointment viewing was going to be uh, appointment with your television. And when they sat down, they wanted to see it. So we not only increased the load of our games available in prime time on our network partners, but actually launched our own network to do the same thing. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. Commissioner Stern, there's several different situations around the league I want to discuss. Let's start with Sacramento. Kings co-owner Gavin Maloof joined me on the show in November, told me he's exhausted plans A, B, C, and D, trying to figure out their situation in Sacramento. He said they called you in to help negotiate with Sacramento. Where does that situation stand? I don't think they called me in to negotiate with Sacramento. They just called me in to see if I could develop a plan F. Okay. Since they failed uh, through A through E. And the answer is I hope to have some ideas to uh, – to sort of suggest to people before the start of the 07-08 season. And they're playing in Arco Arena, which I believe is the oldest arena in the NBA. Is that correct? Hmm. I'm guessing that the Meadowlands currently is the oldest arena, but I would guess that the Arco would come next after that. And uh, it clearly is not, in its current form, the arena of the future for Sacramento. So we have to try to find a way to have a new arena, uh, but way that, uh, you know, given the, the economic realities of California governmental referendum life, does not subject it to a public referendum. Another team looking for a new arena, the Seattle Supersonics. Uh, they've given themselves a self-imposed deadline of October 31st of this year to figure out financing for a new facility. Washington State taxpayers have spoken loud and clear that 
they don't want to fund a new arena. Where do you see this situation going? Actually, I think the people who spoke were the city of Seattle, not Washington State. At the current time, both Safeco and Quest Fields are uh, are funded by uh, tax dollars, and the proposal before the government aid the government uh, bodies in Olympia Washington is to refer to King County back to King County the decision about whether when uh, those tax monies are no longer needed for Quest and Safeco whether they can be allocated to a new basketball arena we know that the session in Olympia ends in April we know that the new ownership has an agreement in principle to purchase property in Renton, Washington, and we'll see where that goes. We think there are several hurdles here, but so far, so good. Let's talk about New Orleans for a moment. The team is scheduled to return to New Orleans for a full home schedule next year. New Orleans is scheduled to host the 2008 NBA All-Star Game. You know, you've been very vocal in your support for the city that was ravaged by Hurricane Katrina. You've also been somewhat critical, as have I, of the Bush administration for the lack of progress that's been made with the rebuilding efforts since the hurricane. The team had a tough time selling tickets and sponsorships before the hurricane. What do you see as the future, and what is the NBA going to do to continue to help this franchise when they return? Actually, we've been working with the team on the sponsorship side. Okay. I think it's fair to say that they will have more sponsorships this coming season than they had before Katrina. There have been a very successful response to the team and its efforts. The sales efforts on tickets have just begun. We get weekly reports, and so far, so good. So we, I think it's a little early to judge, but there are many, many corporations that are profitabling, prof, profiting greatly by the rebuilding efforts in New Orleans, and we're hoping to persuade them that they should uh, contribute to the recovery uh, emotionally and culturally through support of the Hornets return to New Orleans. Well, and I know your NBA CARES program has been very active in New Orleans. We've been doing a lot of building uh, in the Gulf Coast, uh, and I think that that suddenly uh, people are seeing rays of light with respect to the new person who's been brought in to oversee the rebuilding effort, making some difficult choices that no one wanted to make before. And my guess is that it will garner the right support from the governor and the federal government to uh, begin seeing more progress than we've seen today. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. Commissioner Stern, no U.S. professional league has a greater global presence than the NBA, thanks in large part to your forward thinking. One of the fastest growing markets on the planet is China. The NBA has numerous TV contracts in the country, and NBA merchandise has sold more than 20,000 outlets. Are we going to soon see the day where we maybe see a five- or six-team NBA China League set up? Well, if there's an NBA China League, it's going to be more than five or six teams. Really? Uh, uh, it would have to be with respect to an entire arena infrastructure. It would have to be in partnership with likely the CBA, which is the Chinese Basketball Association. And I guess all I would say there is, that uh, stay tuned. I think we'll have some announcements about our overall China business in the next couple of weeks or a month, and we will have some more announcements to make coming out of the Beijing Olympics if the marketplace appears to be ripe. So we think that China is a is a market of enormous potential.
promise. Well, and we've always talked, when we talked before about Europe, you've talked about facilities and lack of facilities. In China, it seems like they could get those facilities built rather quickly. Is that correct? They can. And, uh, and there seems to be an inclination to devote land and resources to that. And a very promising development, speaking of Europe, is that we're going to be playing an exhibition game in October in, in the O2 Arena, which has been built by the Anschutz Group in London. And it's really the first NBA-style arena that's going to be in the European marketplace. If you had to choose between Europe and China, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but where would you rather be? Well, as a business matter, I think it's, it's not a question of a choice. It's a question of an ordering of priority, and I think we will do much more faster in China uh, first but we will continue to address the European market as well, but not at the same pace or at the same resources. Speaking of expanding new horizons, last time you were on this show, you told us that Las Vegas would not be considered for a permanent NBA team as long as there was betting on NBA games allowed in Vegas casinos. Did I say that? You said that. Holy Moses. And I've read since that time that... Maybe your stance has changed a little bit. And then I read Oscar Goodman's letter or an excerpt from his letter that was supposedly sent to you that said no games, not even those of a proposed local franchise, should be banned from state betting boards. What are your thoughts? Actually, I'm keeping my thoughts to myself until next uh, Friday when when my NBA Board of Governors convenes in New York City. And... Can you tell me what will be discussed or the scope of what will be discussed? Basically, you'll review the letter, correct? That's correct. And maybe discuss the future of Las Vegas? Yes. What were your impressions when you were there for the All-Star Game? What kind of a city, NBA city, do you think? I think it was a great host for an All-Star Game. It's a terrific All-Star city. Hey, the last question for you. You're a socially responsible guy. Uh, We just talked about NBA Cares, Basketball Without Borders programs. You're doing wonderful things around the globe in your personal opinion, though, give me one global issue that we're not paying enough attention to. Well, I think that that, that one, well, it's two. It's, it, it is global warming, but in the broader context, it's the degradation of the planet so that by the destruction of uh, wildlife and uh, trees and uh, habitat, we're unleashing forces that, that we then run around trying to correct by vaccines and the like, and it just seems that we've set in motion a chain of events that unless governments get together, uh, it's going to be irreversible, and I think that the current attention on global warming is a very good first step that indicates that people understand that we have a serious problem on our hands. What else can we look for from uh, NBA Cares and Basketball Without Borders in the future? Well, we're heading back to Shanghai, we're going to Brazil, we're going to South Africa. We, we think that the combination of basketball and social responsibility, uh, community messages using the power of our players is just extraordinary. And you're going to see more and more of that on a global scale, but including in the U.S., where we have some very serious social issues, and the NBA is going to be working on that as well. Guests appearing during our Sports End segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses, Morton's the Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere for the Morton's nearest you. Go online to mortons.com. Commissioner Stern, as always, it's a pleasure catching up with you. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. 
When I'm looking for custom fit fine clothing and personal service to match, I call my friend Brian Tacker with the Tom James Company. Tom James' highly trained sales professionals like Brian Tacker come directly to your home or office saving you valuable time. Brian plans and coordinates my wardrobe so I am perfectly attired for any situation, whether it's a TV interview, a press conference, or a fundraiser. The Tom James Company offers over 500 suit fabrics and 250 shirt fabrics, and they carry all the accessories you'll need, from belts and ties to shoes and socks. The Tom James Company has been in business for over 40 years, and 80% of their business is generated from repeat customers. Call Brian Tacker today at 503-807-7956 or find his information at sportsbusinessradio.com. Brian Tacker and the Tom James Company, the official fine clothing partner of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back for our final segment on this, the best of Sports Business Radio. Looking forward to being back in the studio with you next week, recapping my trip to China. I'm going to have toured Beijing and Shanghai. And, you know, there's so much business going on around the 2008 Summer Olympics. 1.3 billion people live in China, 300 million in the United States. Big business taking place. I'm going to have toured Nike's facilities, met with people from Visa and other sponsors. And uh, I'm also hoping to bring you some exclusive information. I'm not going to uh, ruin it, but it's NBA-related from China. Look forward to that next week. Lots of thank yous. Paul Allen, A.J. Smith, and David Stern, our guests, our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger, our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, and ProTrade.com, a podcast reminder. You can catch our show on demand anytime you want. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next weekend. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com. <laughs>